You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. And finally, our third sponsor is 988. The Oklahoma 988 Mental Health Lifeline, 988 is a direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with trained behavioral health professionals that can get all Oklahomans the help that they need. Learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com. That's 988oklahoma.com. And now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma Podcast. Mike Hearn here, host, back with another episode in Oklahoma City today. Uh, with Matt Maxwell, who, I mean, just got off stage literally last night of playing one of the last two shows in Oklahoma City on the tour that you're on, uh, mm. playing bass for Luke Combs. Yeah. I mean, seeing the videos and Instagram stories from last night, it looked nuts. It was. It was a lot of fun. Packed house both nights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure tonight's going to be crazy too. But, I mean, what's, uh, you know, obviously you got family in town. Like, it's a home, sort yeah. of a home concert for you. But... I mean, what was it like? like walking out and you seeing all your friends and stuff? It was great. I, uh, you know, leading up to the show, I kind of was, you know, my mind was taking me to different places of like growing up. I grew up in Tishomingo, Oklahoma. And so I was thinking about my dad and my friends that I grew up with from high school and the ones that were going to be there. So during the day, um, I went into catering and, you know, each venue, they do a unique thing to make it to make you feel at home and make you feel yeah. good and welcome. So they have like maybe a funny Photoshop picture of his face, uh, you know, Luke's face on something funny or one of the openers faces on like uh, last night they had uh, Step Brothers. They had Luke and Jordan Davis as the, yeah. you know, the faces. It's just funny, cool stuff like that. Anyway, so I walked into catering and they had taken one of his song lyrics that talks about Oklahoma and superimposed it. It was really well done over a field with like bison in it. And I was just sitting there in catering and I was like, man, that's awesome. And then it just triggered all those other memories that I've been. So during the day, I really reflected on just my life and, and career and how fortunate I've been and stuff. And, you know, being in Oklahoma, last two shows of the tour, et cetera. And I was like, so I had my I had my little moment during the day that was really special and cool. And then the show was the show was just like, like you know so anyways it was just a cool full spectrum day yesterday and then and then after the show i did my best to coordinate with family and friends and say like okay i'm outside i'm in front of the omni let's all get a hug and a picture you know that kind of thing and i've always been a little like okay how do i navigate this you know so i did my best but got to see all my friends and family that came and then again some tonight so it was incredible in a word (laughs) yeah well and like i was downtown last night too for my wife's work party and 
I mean, downtown was chaos last night. Oh, like it was, uh, the whole place was shut down. <laughs> I was like making the mistake of getting into downtown around six six forty five as gates were opening. Oh, not man. a good time to enter downtown at all. All the parking garages full. And I was, my wife's like, "Why is it so busy?" I was like, "Because it's in town." Like, oh, that's why. <laughs> and shut, else shutting the city down, which is cool though, right? Like it's cool to kind of you know come home and have that effect and do Definitely. that. But I did see. Did you go to the UCO thing as well yesterday, or was that like yes? Yeah, the ACM at UCO, uh, uh, Scott Booker, really neat, great, wonderful, interesting guy. He was nice enough to have uh, Luke Strummer and I, his name is Jake uh, Summers, um, we do clinics, we mm-hmm. do music clinics and, you know, <laughs> coming from a rural area like Tishomingo, uh, you know, they have, you know, band in school and stuff, which I actually did not do. I wish I would have, but, um, as far as learning about the music business, if you're in an area that doesn't have that, obviously, you know, I'm 36, so the internet was a thing, but as far as like YouTube and all the different resources that you have, um, it wasn't as prevalent. And even then, it's still hard to get like real, you don't even know what to Google sometimes. Anyway, so I say that all to say, we like doing clinics, going in, we play songs, but we do a big Q&A and we go like, let's talk about the industry. Is this something you wanna do? And you know, it's like, there's a lot of people and kids and adults and whatever that want to do a lot of things, but there's a small pocket of people that like music and want to, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's a really fun way for uh, uh, us to speak on what we've done and what has worked for us, what did work for us, and uh, just some stuff about the music business because it's kind of a an interesting field, you know, and if you haven't done it, it's, you know, I know for me, I learn new things every day. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll handle that differently next time. So the clinic is just a way to kind of just get into that and, and kind of help people, you know, in a way. So anyways, Jake and I do these clinics, um, uh, this whole last tour, we've done almost every tour date because we're doing two nights in each city. And so one of the two days, you know, we just schedule at a time that's conducive. And anyway, so yeah, we did the uh, ACM at UCO and it was great. Bunch of students, great questions, you know. Yeah. What do you do to practice? What's it like doing this? You know, do you play in the studio? Do you this? Do you that? So it's, it's, I, I love it. I'm yeah. doing another one next week in Tulsa and I'll probably just keep doing them the rest of my career because they're just so fun. Well, and, and like you said, you learn stuff from them too, right? Which is the great part of it. But also like, 100%. I love the, you know, because you're doing two songs every kind of stop, you have time. Whereas it's sorry, two songs, two two nights every, every oh, stop, yes. right? Whereas like if you're just doing one, it's in and out. You're on the road, yes. you're on the bus, you're to the next city, like or whatever. Like that's, yes, it's nice that you have time. Absolutely, it's like oh, I gotta find the showers and go get something to eat, and here's the hotel, and here's the and so by the time, you know, oh, we haven't ran these songs in a little while, so in sound check we're gonna and then sound check. Yeah, you're right. It ends up being a quite a day if it's just one in yeah. and out. So two makes it a lot nicer. Well, and like you just said, it's mass chaos. Right? Like you're <laughs> definitely controlled chaos, and we've got a <laughs> yeah. We really do have a killer team, but you're right. It's a lot. There's that's and that's one thing that I'm continually blown away by is the people behind the scenes and how incredible a job that they do at what they do because you get there and you're like, you know, when I first started touring, it's like I walked into arena. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. I'm so excited. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, these things are empty. Oh, they build everything. Oh, they get up at four or 5 AM. Oh, it's just a deep appreciation for what everyone does. It's like, Oh, catering got up at six to start cooking, you know, or five or four to start cooking for everybody. And I don't know, it's just really cool to see the whole thing come together together and how symbiotic of a relationship. It's just so cool, man. Yep. It's a interesting thing to 
do what we normally do, like at home or in our routine thing on the road. Like taking it on the road is just a whole, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. So back to growing up in Tish, tell, yeah. me, tell me about that. Cause I had some college teammates who played golf down there, <laughs> uh, who I think one of them is actually working at the golf course down there. Um, <sighs> Preston, love it. Love it's his last name. I'm loosely related to the Lovitz, I yeah. think. Yeah, he's, I yeah. am. He's about this big. <laughs> yeah, we're like, but he's we're probably guy. third or fourth cousins. Yeah. Seriously. But he uh, <laughs> he would always tell me, he's like, you got to come down to Tish. And we always played golf at, at, in Durant, so it was close yes. enough. Yes. Uh, and then one of our other teammates, his family, just kind of hosted us when we were down there. But we had a blast in there all the time. But that's the only reason I know where Tishmingo is, because of my teammates. <laughs> and obviously Blake Shelton. Uh, oh, sure. It's kind of in that area, I guess. Um, but... <laughs> Tell me, tell me about kind of growing up and, and how music comes around and how, you know, you end up grabbing, you know, a guitar and, and cause like you just said, it, it wasn't generally there growing up, right. Yeah. Compared to the bigger cities with the bigger schools and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I was born in Amarillo, Texas, and then I moved to go live with my dad. I was living with my mom. I went to go live with my dad in Tishomingo when I was about 11. He used to spend summers there. He was you know, he was born in Texas, grew up there, and then eventually moved to Tishomingo because he had been there as a kid. We have a bunch of cousins there, a bunch of history there and stuff. So anyways, he moved there and I was like, uh, you know, went to go live with him when I was 11. And uh, somewhere around that time, <clears throat> you end up uh, uh, getting into school band program or et cetera. So I don't know what all the circumstances were, but I ended up not doing that. And again, in hindsight, I wish I would have, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, but so I got there and I just started playing sports and just trying to figure out what life was going to be like there. And I loved it. I have friends to this day from there. Uh, my uncle lives there. I still go visit him. I, I was there a few weeks ago. So anyways, I, uh, you know, there were some guys that were like a year or two older than me and they played music and I was like, man, that's awesome. I like music. Oh, people play music. That's cool. Anyway, so just it went from being an abstract thing to like, oh, you can do it. And so anyways, another friend of mine um, was getting into guitar and said, you should play bass. And I remember being like, well, I don't know what's bass. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And so he described it to me, played it for me on a car. You know, he said, here's this low frequency, you know, anyways, however he described it. And he had a bass. So anyways, I started playing because of him. He showed me the ropes and it was just really like, you know, put your finger here, do this, and then put your finger here, do that. And then we're off to the race, just having fun. Anyways, I did that for a few years and then... Didn't really know what I was doing, didn't have lessons or directions, but I was just doing it for fun and, and just trying to play by ear and stuff. Anyway, so then those friends that were older than me that played music moved to Kansas. There was a music program there. There was probably one in between Tishomingo and there, but they just settled in Kansas because they had other friends there anyways. So uh, eventually I moved up there and did that same music program. Had a great mentor, uh, teacher of the music program, um, kind of got me into audio technology and music. So I took all these theory classes. So it was like a crash course condensed. Hey, here's all the stuff you missed out on in music theory class and, and band. And anyways, so I really took it serious and I really worked hard and uh, uh, learned a lot of things in those. Oh, I was about three years in that small town of uh, Parsons, Kansas, and then uh, finished that music program and then thought, well, now what? <laughs> and I was like, OK. You know, I learned from music business class that at the time, New York, L.A. and Nashville were the three big ones if you really wanted to try and make a push for it. And somewhere in my brain, I was scared to do that. But then also somewhere in my brain, I think I knew realistically that I wasn't ready. You know, when are you ever ready? But I just I, in my head, I was like, 
maybe there's an in-between. So I would drive through uh, from Parsons, Kansas to Tishomingo to go see my dad and relatives, uh, Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so anyways, uh, long story short, I ended up settling in Tulsa for about 15, 16 years. And I worked at a store called Sade Music, and they've been a family-owned store for like 60-something years. Wonderful people, still friends with them to this day. That's where I'm doing the clinic next week. And uh, anyways, so I worked there. I started working. I was moving pianos. And then I went from pianos to front counter. I helped in the guitar department. They got sheet music, piano, trumpets. Anyways. I, I kind of befriend a lot of people, you know, I'm kind of shy at first, but when I get to know people, so I was working there and the jazz guys would give me some input. Hey, you should do this. You should take piano lessons. And then the rock guys in the guitar department were like, Hey, you should do this. You should do that. So I just had a lot of input during that time. And, uh, did you ask me, I think you just asked me about Tishmingo and I took the ball and ran with it. I'm so sorry. No, I dude, kept going this, way beyond You're doing Tishmingo. great. This is awesome. I love it. Okay. Uh, okay it makes okay. my job a lot easier when, when the guest is like, tell me, let me tell me, <laughs> let me tell you about what I've done. Oh, man. I just sit back and listen. It's great. There was a little voice in my head that went like, no, you're Hey good. man, he said Tishmingo. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so Tishmingo was like the raw, yeah. just getting excited about music. So, so Tulsa, you work in Tulsa for 15, 16 years. I lived there. Yeah. And, uh, uh I started working at a music store and then went from working at the music store full-time mm-hmm. to working at the music store part-time and gigging part-time playing with a band you know uh, a cover band we played all over texas and oklahoma you get in a van and you go yeah, yeah. Um, and then slowly went from uh part-time working at the music store to full-time music and uh you know spent a lot of years grinding it out and you know for me what i do i'm an instrumentalist you know and i had an original band but we didn't ever push to make a to make a real run for it as far as making a you know like a known band or anything but anyway so predominantly what i've done is what they call a sideman uh, a musician for hire day laborer essentially mm-hmm. you know and so i would play with 50 60 different bands in a year and so i did that for a long time um, for the, the, the entirety of the time I was in Tulsa. And then somewhere around six or seven years ago, my name got around to some touring guys, uh, the Swan Brothers. I played with them for a few years. They were, they're from Muskogee and then they won or they, they placed high on, uh, the voice and then they're wonderful musicians, wonderful players, great guys. They hired me. I played with them. That was my first foray into anything touring. Um, and then I played with a female artist named Lauren Elena and all during that time I was living in Oklahoma and kind of commuting from Nashville, Oklahoma, a long commute. Um, and then most recently I've, I've moved to Nashville, but yeah, 15 years in Tulsa. And that was, I mean, that's really where I learned like how, to uh, 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 gig and how to show up on time and and to make a career out of it. That's I learned so many valuable skills that now on the gig that I'm on, it's like things are. I had all the skills I needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so from that kind of working in that store and, and jumping in the van and just driving around a cover band, you always kind of I assume had the dream of like I just want to go play. Yes, like I love playing. Hundred percent. Right, because a lot of you, it could have gone. I mean, obviously, you like the education side now because you're doing these clinics and you take the time to do these clinics. Right. But clearly, from a young age, you don't just jump in a van and make no money driving around the country, probably losing money for you know just because, right? Like you have a dream and you think one day, yes, this could work. I meet the right person. I could be where I am today, which obviously it worked out. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. And I remember. In my brain, I was like, okay, this is definitely an atypical kind of thing. And my family was, uh, 
loving and supportive, no one had done it. So they weren't like, oh, well, you should do this. But they were like, well, we love you. And sounds like you're really making a go for, you know, they were supportive is what I'm saying. And, and, uh, and in my head, I was like, okay, that's great. And I was like, well, as long as I continue to go upwards and not totally flatline for 10 years or go down as far as money and, 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 and psyche. And as long as it was feeling good, that's, I was like, I'm going to keep doing it. Right. And thankfully, you know, it took a little while to, to really push through. And, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing where like graduate high school and then you immediately go and start making big boy money. You know, it took a little while, but like you said, the drive was like, well, this is fun and interesting. And there's some, I don't know if it's Jim Carrey or somebody's like, man, you can fail at what you don't want to do. I'm butchering it. But basically it's like, why not at least try to do something that you want to do? So I was like, okay, why not, why not try? And, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, a dream, fun, naivete, and just, uh, you know, all mixed yeah, together yeah. that kept going. And I'm glad I did, obviously. It's very, very thankful for where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, and, and like to your point, it's, you know, when you are, when you have a dream and you're just like, yeah, this is working out, you know, you, you do not want to surrender to working nine to five. Mm-hmm. That is the last thing you would ever choose to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like re- unless you get to like, okay, I'm 45 years old. I'm single. I have no life. I should probably get a job. Right. right? Uh, it right. might be 50, whatever it is. Or it might be I know 30. what you mean. You know what I mean? Like you, you're still going, you still have that belief and there's still hope there. Then that keeps you going. Right. Yeah, it you does. Know. And you know, you're right. And I say that and I'm like, you know what? I'd be playing either way. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm just glad, I'm glad it worked out sooner than later. Right. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of commuting and you're on, you're, you know, you're in the, you're in the, in the right places, you know, you're, you're kind of doing your own thing and, and you're part of a cover band, but you're also like a, a guitarist for hire. Who was that first big break then that gets you kind of in the, in the room and on, was it the Lauren Elena one or the Swan guys Brothers. before the Swan Brothers? And yes. that gets you yeah. a tour and you're like, Oh, people like realize who I am. Well, in a way, um, you know, uh, yes, in a way. And, you know, I learned a lot of valuable skills with them too. They're both incredible musicians. One of them is a bass player. And so I knew, uh, I knew I was like, man, you know, I better be on it cause they'll know they're yeah. a bass player as well. And so I learned, you know, the ropes of that, but also how to tour well in a bus with other people. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I see these different, like, I don't know what to call it, like personality archetypes. And it's like, there's only a few, there's a few that work well on a bus. And then there's some that's like, okay, either you're just going to have to be quiet all the time or you just can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So thankfully I just rolled the dice and went like, oh, okay, I'm easy to be on a bus with, I think, you know? So anyway, so I learned that like, oh, okay, this, this will work for my personality type. Thank, oh, thank God. (laughs) My my thoughts don't stink too much and I'm fit. I think I'll be okay. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I hold it in here around the boss and then let it go (laughs) or whatever. That must be tough though. Like, you, you know, you're, you're thrown into an environment where you are, you know, in this metal box that travels around the country and then you're on stage. I mean, you spend so much time with people. Yes. You have to have that relationship. You have to build those. You have to be open to building. You can't just be, no, this is my way. Uh, and well, you probably won't last very long. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of stories out there. People in the industry, they're like, this guy, like if he did just kind of bit his tongue, he could have been on tour with the best players. Not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it I goes know. a lot to say about your personality and who you are, not just as a musician as well. Well, thanks. That's sweet of you to say. I, I feel a lot of it was just, 
you know, it's like we develop our personalities, we make our decisions, but some of that stuff is just kind of, you are who you are, you develop it by like five years of age. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and so I'm just thankful. I'm, I'm glad and lucky that what I wanted to do matched with like maybe who my personality traits ended up being or whatever. So yeah, I'm very, very thankful. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool experience, man, that, that time with the, the, the Swan Brothers, man. It, it really went from just like, you know, playing in bars and stuff and, and, and events to like, hey, here's, you know, we were opening uh, for Carrie Underwood. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you said Metal Box, and I was, as you're saying that, visualizing <laughs> the first time on a bus, yeah. sleeping in a bunk, and, you know, you live with your coworkers. You know, exactly. think about that. That's like, it's like, yeah, I hope you like your coworkers because you live with them. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to think of his, uh, who's, who plays guitar for Carrie Underwood? Uh, Ed? Ed. He's, yeah. Ed's been on the podcast. Oh, so I'm not surprised, I was trying man. to like look at my phone, like, come on, uh, I'm thinking of like. Ed's the nicest, yeah. sweetest, talented, most talented guy. That's too funny he's been on the podcast. I, couldn't, I had no idea that you opened for them, so clearly you know each other, You're which like, is Ed. great. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, that's right. And he does a lot of speaking yeah. things. That's right. Like motivational stuff. Yeah, yeah, That's right. Yeah, I met Ed and the rest of her band, and they were really kind to us and really cool. And. You know, for me, when you're a younger <clears throat> opener, it's like, it's like, wow, that's cool. I want to do what they do. Even though you're doing yeah. your thing, you're, you're like, okay, they're at the top of the field. And what do they like? What do they do? What do they eat? Yeah. <laughs> and they were just really cool and kind to us. And her, her band leader uh, was really, really nice to me yeah. and, and really cool. Well, and when you're opening for someone like that, right, at such a, you know, at that level, and she's riding the rocket ship. She's incredible. She's riding the rocket ship. And now it's funny because you were on that rocket ship with Lugo <laughs> the last few years, right? It's kind of cool to, like I said, be in that spot where you were inspired uh, to be at. But you get to see, you know, you're in these arenas or you're in these places, right? Yeah. And you're like, you know, even though in your head, probably like 50, 60, maybe 80% of these people aren't here to see us. <laughs> they're still here because they love country music right yeah and you're like but you're still getting reps in front of it doesn't matter to you you're still exactly. getting reps in front of you know so when you do get the opportunity to open exactly. it's just normal yes which is that's incredible yeah, absolutely and that's that's keen insight because I do have people ask and people that are like don't know anything about the industry a little bit you know quite a bit and then whatever and then all, the rest of us trying to learn about it and you know some people ask they're like they're like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And it's like, well, you work up to it. You really do. It's like starting a bar with 10 people. You know, the what's the funny thing people always say? The chicken wire and the beer bottles being thrown at you. I'm kidding. But yeah. like, you know, that Seen type of the Blues vibe. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, and then you work up to here. And you know, the funny, so sorry, I'll finish one thought and go back. Uh, and then you work up to the whatever, casinos and then the, the theaters and the whatever, and then the arenas. And you're so right. It's progressive. So when you get there, it's like, okay, this is still new and exciting and I want to do a good job. But I know what this is like. I've I've had a catastrophe happen and had to do it in the middle of a performance. And, you know, I, I, would ca I catch myself over the years still being, like, attentive and concerned, but just a little more calm if and when something happens because it's like it's going to. It's live music. You're on the road. You're tired. You you know, you're jet lagged, whatever, fill in yeah. the blank. It's like you get used to it. Um, I, I think I forgot my other thought that I was going to to say but anyway Blues Brothers Chicken Wire maybe. yeah I know I was trying to think uh, you, you were talking about catastrophe and emotion <laughs> did the strings break when you were playing I've never I've never no. had a string break but I have had an instance where um, so okay so my first show uh, with the Swan Brothers uh, it was like hey you know 
we got your name. Hey, we're doing, I think this was in a week or two. It was not a lot of time before they had to be back out on the road. And they said, we got your name. Are you interested? Et cetera. Went out to Nashville, did a rehearsal. I think we left immediately after the rehearsal. We packed everything up, you know, the staging and the drum riser and stuff, put in a trailer, got in that trailer, went to, was it Youngstown, maybe? Okay. Ohio, is that right? Is it, is it in Ohio? But anyway, so that we got in the bus. This is my first time sleeping on a bus. So, you know, they're like, it's like a box. And it's it's pitch black, which is nice, you know, so there's not light coming in. But it moves, you know, because the driver and, you know, if, if the wind's blowing hard, you hit a rumble strip every now and then, whatever. Anyway, so I was getting used to that. And then, man, I, I, I got to sleep. And then this loud explosion happened. This in my head, I was like... And so the bus has stopped, and I'm like, what in the world was that? And I think I was on the bottom bunk, so I was close to the tire. It was a tire. Yeah. And so I get out, and I'm looking at the bus driver like, what happened? And, you know, funny thing, none of the other guys got out. And I was like, oh, of course, the rookie's like, what happened? And everyone else was like, that's fine. <laughs> Welcome to the road, kid. And so I get out, and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, we blew a bus tire. They had to get a crazy truck with a jack. And anyways, we. so the, there's all that going on. First touring gig. You know, I'm still like, you know, going over the songs in my head to make sure I don't mess up in front of that many people. We get to the venue, we slide into home, like we got there in literally just enough time to put the drums on the drum riser and push it up on the stage. Anyway, something happened with the equipment <clears throat> um, to where it was difficult to hear. You know, in those venues, there's a lot of, you know, we have wireless in-ears and so it's like if there's something going on with the radio frequencies etc you're gonna have trouble so anyways something was going on and i i pretty much couldn't hear myself i almost could not hear myself at all and so the whole show i'm listening to the drummer because you can hear and feel the drums through those in-ears yeah so i'm listening to him and i'm kind of going on feel and memory i could hear the vocals anyways it was all the different crazy things that could kind of happen for my first touring show happen. And then I get backstage and I'm like, what just happened? Is this going to be every day? And, you know, uh, Zach, the singer was like, well, man, he goes, everything crazy that could have happened happened. So it's all going to be great from here. And he was so right. He was so right. So So anyways, it was just a funny, funny road story. What leads you to get in that phone call that week? Like, does their bass player kind of like what happens? So I don't know the circumstances, but that they were in the middle of a tour and, and their bass player had uh, stepped down or something. Sure. I don't know. So I mean, there's so many family issues, just yeah, saying yeah. in general with people. So he left and I had been playing in uh, the Tulsa area for a long time. And a lot of what I did was like cover band or casino band. I played at churches and then every now and then I would play with an original artist and those original artists, you know, um, are doing their best to get bigger and bigger. And some do and some push through. I was playing with a guy. He's still a dear friend of mine. Uh, Corey Kent is his uh, artist name and he's awesome. Great songwriter. He was like, Gosh, I think he was 15 or 16 when I first started playing with him. And then there was a drummer that filled in with him that played with the Swan Brothers because he was friends, you know, this weird networking web. And so he filled in and he goes, well, that bass player was a nice guy and he was talented. Cool. Awesome. Then they were out. He was with the Swan Brothers and they were on the Brad Paisley tour. He was telling me all about it. I'm sure you could see my eyes were this big when he was talking about it at lunch. And anyways, we played that gig. Time went on. I don't remember how much time went on, maybe six months or something. And then he remembered me and he went, that guy seemed like he would be all right. He recommended me, got in with them. Yeah. Another funny side note on that same subject, um, um, 
similar thing with Luke. I had met Tyler, his current band leader, a long time ago. He's from the Tulsa area, Bartlesville. And so um, I met him and I was playing in his band when he was about 16 or 17. I think I was a little bit older, but somewhere around there, like early 20s. And we played for a few years in different bars and clubs and he wrote songs. And I was like, man, this guy's incredible. He's going to go on to do something. Time goes on. He moved to Nashville. I was still living in Tulsa. Met Luke. Luke blew up. He's been there for six, seven, eight, nine years. And uh, then he remembered me and called me for this gig. So uh, testament to the power of networking and, yeah. you know, nepotism, not in a negative way, but just like who yeah. you know no, and who I believes totally in you. Like still being like, it goes back to you just still putting yourself in that scene. Right. And, you know, yes. like I said, it's not for the money. It's not for anything. It's just because one day I might get that phone call. And right. you've had two That's phone calls from that, which is great, <laughs> right? Because you consistently put yourself there. Yes. And, you know, then, it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't just happen overnight, right? And obviously you're very good at what you do. Otherwise you wouldn't even be considered. Like right. it's, it's, it's awesome to look, to look back at it and see that. One of the things I'm kind of interested in is... What's day of like? Like, what's day of gig like? What's your kind of routine? You know, you, you, after you do this, you know, and I'm extremely grateful for you to give me an hour today, obviously, before you, hey, have, you know, another home show. But what's what's kind of like on the road like that? Uh, is, the, is the Friday and Saturday the same routine or is it more sound checks Friday and then we just chill Saturday because everything's set to go? Great question. And I'm very grateful you had me on. You have a wonderful thing going. So thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, when we do the two day thing, the Friday and Saturday, if they're in the same city, mm. the second day is a little bit more chill. However, we typically, the drummer and I do a clinic right. on the yeah. Saturday. So it does add a little bit more. We get up a little earlier for those get an Uber to the place, et cetera. And so Saturdays end up being, uh, we typically don't have a sound check. Um, so it does allow for the clinic and that's nice. Mm-hmm. But when say, say we didn't have a clinic, Saturday would be more chill mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. You know, and then every now and then you'll get an off day on the road. You know, the routing is such that, you know, it doesn't make sense to come all the way across the country to whatever, or, uh, you know, next year we're doing uh, Australia. And so it's like, we're going to be there three weeks. And so we'll definitely have some days off. And so those are really fun because it's like, you know, when you're working, you're working. I mean, even if it's music, you're still working. But on the off days, it's like, okay, we're here. We have a day off. And if you don't have something to work on peripheral, if you don't, if you're not writing a book or so, you know, then it's like, well, I'm going to go explore this city. I love that. That's so awesome. And then uh, this last year, this year, we did these stadium tours and we would go up a day. I think we were going up either Thursday night or Friday for a show Saturday. So, you know, Friday you get done with sound check. It's like, well, you got a little time or then Saturday day of show, you have a little time. And we walked around Seattle and Denver. And so then that's really fun, you know, and I like history. So I'm always looking at whatever, or we were in Canada and uh, Quebec city was awesome. Walked around that city, a lot of history there. And yeah. I'm looking forward to next year. We're literally going on a world tour and it's like uh, Oslo, Norway and all these places that it's like, even if we're only there for a day, I'm going to be like, okay, I have one hour. I'm going to walk around the venue, you know, or whatever. We're going to uh, New Zealand and I really want to go see the, I was at Hobbiton. Yeah, I want to yeah. go see, if, if, if I can make it over there. That's, I mean, the fact that like the world tours next, that's incredible, right? Like it know, really is. Doing stadium tour on the stage is great. Stuff. But when you like world tour is like, you know, when you were a little boy and someone gives you a base, you're like, that's exactly. You never think I'm going to be on a world tour, but one, you know, when you look back, you're like, what? Like how, wait, Oslo, Norway, New Absolutely. Zealand, Australia, like really? places I never. You know, <laughs> you're not gonna get not gonna pay to go to these places, right? On vacations, yeah, you know? yeah. There's only so much time in life, yeah. you know, and it's like, 
you you put it you put it well i was i think back at these times and i go you know what i remember being in tishomingo and practicing on my bass how in the hell would you conceive of unless maybe your dad was a touring musician right. and they were like well son this is how it goes it's like yeah that's no concept right. <laughs> yeah exactly it's like no no conception of what that would look like beyond your bedroom yeah and and that's and it's beautiful and it's pure and it's cool but then as you start like getting a little bit older you're like well i gotta make money and how do i this and how do i that and then you get here and you're like literally going on a world tour i mean it's it's mind-blowing you know growing up in tishomingo it's like didn't even know some of these places existed so to speak you know and it's it's wild it's a pinch yourself kind of thing right so, so then, you know, back to what you said, you, you know, you know, Luke's band leader who is from Tulsa. So you get that phone call. He's like, Hey, we're kind of interested. What do you know? Just, yeah. do you have time? Like how, how, how does that, how work? does that work? Cause like, and, and what, what's the stage of Luke's career at that point too? Cause Luke played in, played, played here God, three or four years ago, I think mm. played Criterion. Be okay. Oh, okay. Maybe smaller. I think it was. Yep. Luke. And then maybe a year or two ago, we played Be okay. So yeah. So, so he's. Cl- I joined a year and three months ago, okay. and so my first show was Boone, North Carolina, at his old alma mater, his college, and it was like <laughs> 35, 40, I don't know, a ton of people. That was my first. What a show! Packed out, sold out. Um, it was being filmed. It was. It was a. <laughs> it was a lot. And, you know, I'm so glad that I had put the time in before in my career. And we talk about this in our clinics. It's like it, there was a, a gentleman, a friend of mine who lives here in the Oklahoma City area named Ryan. And he said, he goes, hey, can you talk about the importance of doing good on the $50 job so you're preparing for the big job? I was like, that's a great comment and question. So anyways, you know, when we expound on that, it's like absolutely you're training for the bigger things, even if, you know, you don't know what how big it's going to get. So in that moment and in, in, in this moment, I was like, I'm so glad I did <laughs> because when the pressure's on, it's like, well, okay, if I'm going on past experiences, if I practice the songs these many times, I will feel comfortable with this. And so, you know, sure enough, I, I, that day, the day of the show, I had practiced a lot up until then, but the day of the show, I think I woke up super early, went in one of the little rooms they had for us and locked the door and just literally spent all day and the show went great. But that's, that was my first show with him. So it was full you know, vertical till, you know, is it's been wild. And so, yeah, Tyler <clears throat> um, called me, um, you know, a year and three months ago ish. Uh, uh, and I've known him for 15 years and we had been friends, but you know, he's busy on the road. I'm, I'm conducting my career in the way that I can. And, you know, and he's seeing that he's seeing that I'm, you know, doing the road thing and he's like oh, okay this this guy you know even if it's subconsciously like oh he's doing well as well good for him pat you on the back congrats and you know i'd see him or hear from him every now and then be like hey man congrats to you so then when there was a, a vacancy in the base spot on that one him being the band leader he brought me up to uh, the organization and luckily over the years I had met four or five of them from other things you know other gigs or I met this guy for coffee on a whim or you know who knows and so anyways when he brought me up the other guys were like at least they some of them were like hey you know I like that he seemed he seemed fine it sounds good enough and so you know you pull all those together and then yeah he called and said hey we're interested and I was like wow I'm so flattered thank you for uh, 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 even considering me and this is funny I'll share uh, he called me the second time and as a joke because we've been again friends for a long time and he's a very funny guy he was like 
I, you know, <laughs> I see that was him calling. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> you know, I'm very excited for that second callback to see if they could, you know, we're going to go with me. And he's like, hey, man, I just want to say thank you so much for considering we're going in another direction. I was like, man, that's all right, buddy. I'm, I'm even flattered you considered me. And he goes, yeah, it's like some guy, what the heck is his name? He's from Oklahoma. And he like said all these things that like let me know it was me. And I was like, dude, why? And he and I both just start cracking up. And I was like, of course he would, you know, anyways, just funny, funny, yeah. you know, story. And he's like, yeah, we'd love to have you. You're in, et cetera. So, I, man, that was, I remember where I was at in that moment. It was a, a really cool moment in my career in life. And, uh. Yeah, that was a, it's been a special year, but that was a very special day, yeah, you know, yeah, getting yeah. that call and, and being excited. You know, funny enough, I, that week I was planning on moving to Nashville. I was like loading my van. I was mentally prepared for it. I'd got a place. And so that's when I got the call was the week that I was getting ready to move there. And I was like, okay, it's if ever you needed this, yeah, if ever you needed a sign that the stars were aligning. So yeah. anyways, it, I'm just very fortunate, man, all this stuff at at the end of the day, I just feel very, very fortunate. It's like, right. you know, and, and, and I talk to family and friends and we do these clinics and stuff. And it's like, it's like, okay, yes, I put the time in. Yes, I showed up on time. Yes, I worked hard, those things. But man, you can do all that and still not have anything yeah. happen. So that being said, I'm just really, really grateful. I really am. It's uh, something that I think of maybe, you know, probably at the very least daily, sometimes <laughs> multiple times a day, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, it's pretty cool, man. I yeah. just feel very, very, very lucky and grateful. Well, it's good to have that moment with a friend too, right? Like, cause he's like, and the way that he's done it too, you know? Like, oh, he's Tyler? Like, yeah. Like, have, dude. Have that and now, you know, yeah, really now well. I can laugh about it in the moment. I was like, yeah. like I, hate I was like, you. oh, dude, <laughs> why would you do that? But <laughs> right. you know, you know, it's like your friends. It's like any, it's like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're your friends and they, they like to, yeah. What, so when you're playing that first gig at his hometown or his home university, mm -hmm. is it noticeable how much louder it is when an artist goes home? You know, I, I don't remember. No. And I just remember being so like, there we go. <laughs> I, you know, they probably yeah. were. And I just didn't, I have no doubt they probably were, but I, I, I will say this on that note, we played in uh, some venues do stand out as far as noise, mm -hmm. whether it's the structure of the building and the people or both is probably a mixture sure. of all of them. Uh, one of the rowdiest crowds recently, uh, I think it was Quebec city. Really? Yeah. They were excited. They were loud. They were throwing, they had like uh, the plastic beer cups. They were throwing those in the air. And I was like, these people came to party. It was so fun. They were, they were a very, very rowdy crowd. Um, and then during the show, you know, we have in-ear monitors that go in our ears so you can hear what's going on outside you, but it's uh, muffled for yeah, sure. Yeah. Cause you want to hear what's, what you're playing. And uh, in, in the middle of the show, he does an acoustic kind of thing. So we step off, I take my in-ears off, and then there's a piano kind of ballad thing that he does. And so then I get to listen to the crowd, and I'm just like, you can hear how loud they are. And one out of every three or four shows, someone proposes to their, you know, it's like you're sitting there and they're kind of loud, and then you hear like a giant roar, and it's like, oh, something's happening. You look over, someone's proposing to their yeah. girlfriend. And every show, there's like a little kid, like, it's my first show. It's like, It's like, man, we're really like having these special moments with these audience members and it's just so cool, man. Yeah. It's so cool to, but yes, some crowds definitely stand out how, as far as how noise. does that like, you know, with, with that proposal with a kid with a sign, like <laughs> how does that get to you guys? 
is it someone in the in the arena that's like hey like I, I mean oh I mean just see, like because I remember I saw I think it was maybe Garth Brooks or I've seen someone before and they were just like they pick someone out of the crowd and this guy comes on and he can play and you're like hang on a second like but some of it's real some of it's not but I'm just interested uh, yeah. in like obviously the proposal's real and the kids in the sound that's super authentic but yeah. I'm just interested just from an artist's perspective yeah. if there's someone in the team that's like just pointing people out or a go-to that's like hey or an email hey if you want to do something so it's we'll pick the best one no like, no how does that work? that's way way above my head and pay grade but I, I i think it's organic i really do like and and so as far as the proposals go that will just be impromptu in the crowd i don't know like i haven't been in the band where like someone is brought on stage and done that it's more just like someone in the crowd during one of the ballads just gets down on one knee sure yeah, yeah. and so yeah i think i mean everything that i've ever seen has just been impromptu even well and you know i i don't know this for a fact but from being a performer a lot of times a lot of it is just kind of off the cuff because yeah. you're worried about so many other things that pertain to your job mm. it's like you don't want to add in 20 30 other things so it's almost like by nature it has to be organic because you can't really plan for you know some of that stuff and some of those you know I, I think back to the years playing with different bands man there are a lot of talented people out there and I'm not surprised that every now and then someone says hey I, my son plays guitar and then you get him up then they rip that's it's like I, that that's totally plausible. Scene, right? Is it the Foo Fighters scene where you got gets this guy, the Kiss guy? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, and he's killing. What? Absolutely. I guarantee you that was not. You know that that yeah. kind of thing wasn't planned. But yeah, it's uh, the best ones are I think natural. You know, yeah. and and as a performer, that's what you want. You want things to be organic and natural, and that's when they work the best. Definitely. You know, yeah. forcing those weird moments is kind of disingenuous and weird, but it's also really special. Uh, when it's not because yeah. it's like wow we're part of a moment or you know we'll be playing a song that we've played a bunch um and then luke will just tap into a new area of how he's feeling or where the song has inspired him <clears throat> excuse me sorry and so the band will be sitting there and we'll be like wow you know we'll feel it yeah. or you know um you know, whatever, fill in the blank with whatever he's feeling in that moment. And, and then it'll, it'll definitely inspire and touch us as well. So, yeah. And it's like, wow, this is a real moment. We're part of a moment here. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's super special to have that, but also like, you know, you're on, like you just said, you've got so much stuff to focus on while you're on stage. <laughs> I know, you know, you're putting on a show for these thousands of people that are here you know, I'm sure there are times where you're like, it would be really nice to just kind of stand here and take this in, but I have a job to do right now. Yes. <laughs> like, it'd be great to read all of the signs that are out wow, there. Wow, she's beautiful. Oh, i got to play <laughs> yeah. this little lick. Why is there bra and panties coming through the uh, air? Oh, they're not coming at me. They're going to lick. Right, okay. right. Like, Every know. now and then, like, you know, someone will, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like this. Are we Molly Crew? <laughs> right. You go back to those days, like, uh, okay, this is, we're actually, this is still happening. Yes. Uh, no, yeah, I'd like trying to catch my attention. It's like, it's like, oh, oh, that's their first, con oh, it's their, bur oh, oh, I got to play. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Do you have, um, like, obviously last night's show being kind of a home show for you. Yeah. Do you have... Um like, did, was there anything special moments that you do remember that happened? Or, or do you have a song that you are like, yeah, this is kind of my song. I get to kind of do my thing. Um, there's a little solo feature that he gives everybody during the show. We do a, a medley of songs that uh -huh. we all like and we arrange them and put them together. And then we he features each of the band members. Hey, this is such and sure, such from yeah, such yeah. and such. Play a little, you know, eight bar solo, whatever. And so the guitar player, he's from Tishmingo, Oklahoma, uh, uh, Mississippi. Okay. 
And so when I, funny side story, when I first met him, I was like, hi, I'm Matt. Hi, I'm Dustin. And I was, I was like, where are you from, man? Tishmingo. I was like, no. no and he was like, Mississippi. I was like, oh. It's two in this world, really? Yes, <laughs> yep, yep. And so uh, I, you know, met him and that was too funny. And I was like, well, I'm from Tishmingo, Oklahoma. So when Luke introduces us, it's a funny, it, his soul was right before mine. So he's like, Tishmingo, Mississippi, Tishmingo, Oklahoma. And so anyways, last night, that was a really cool, special moment having that. And then we played a song. It's called Even Though I'm Leaving. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not a songwriter, so forgive me, but essentially it's uh, from the vantage point of a son and a dad. And it starts with the son being young, the dad being old. Hey, dad, I'm scared of monsters. And then the middle part is the son going off to, to war. And he's like, hey, dad, I'm, le- you know, I'm leaving now before I needed you. You know what? Anyways, I'm butchering it. But then the the end is the father passing. So it's this arc, you know. And anyway, so my dad passed away. And so I'm like, hometown show, tear jerking song. I, and on that one, a lot of times it's a very impactful emotional song for anyone that listens to it. And I'll look out and I'll have to be careful to not look or lock eyes with someone that's crying because I'll be like, oh, I know. <laughs> so that's a that's a moment in the show that even beyond Oklahoma that I have to kind of watch for because that, that one will get you. Yeah. Um, but especially, you know, poignant because of, you know, being in Oklahoma and, and having my dad, you know, having passed away. It was just a that's that's a cool moment that's in the show cool anyway. Moment. So it was extra special. And, you know, I had, I don't know, uh, 20 different 30 people there. You know, it's like the counselor in high school, uh, uh, you know, my old gym coach, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I had all these people there that were really special to me. And I tried to make the rounds and see everybody. <clears throat> But just knowing that they were there and then like playing and kind of forgetting where they were seated and then seeing them going like, oh, yeah, they're yeah. my friend. <laughs> well, that, but that's the really cool part about the way the stage is set up, right? Because yes. it's a center stage. WrestleMania. Oh, so good. <laughs> when I saw that, I kind of checked last night. I was looking when we were driving in to town to my wife's work party. I was yeah. like, oh, let's see the stage set up. How much are tickets going for? And what are the tickets at? And I was like, oh, it's, it doesn't matter where you are because it's right in the center. Yep. Like, so good. It's and that's so great for you fun. because you just, you can walk around, you can see everybody. It's like, my favorite. Is it, what was the, was the, the uh, Swan Brothers like that, Lauren and Elena, or were they just more The Swan Brothers was uh, when I first joined and we were on the Carrie Underwood tour and she did. Oh, of course. They yeah, call yeah. us a 360 yeah. and she was doing a 360 tour. Yeah. Um, we, uh, for me on that one, I was a little bit more stationary. So this one's sure. full on, like yeah, yeah. wireless all over the place. Um, and it just depends on the venue. With Lauren, we did a, a New Year's Eve thing and it was 360. Yeah. We did Times Square New Year's Eve. It was incredible. Oh, how good it, it was so cool. There were so many people you know, bucket list, interesting, yeah. cool moment. It, it was really, really neat. The village people went on, I think, directly after us. So I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> you know, we got to meet Steve Harvey and all That's this, awesome. you know, fun. Did he drop stuff. motivational bars on you as well? <laughs> Typical Steve Harvey. Yeah. It's so funny. I think about like these situations where I find myself and, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this funny, cool person. Wow, that funny, cool person. And, you know, it's it's my job. And so I keep it cool, but I can be somewhat excited. And if they say hi, you say hi. But... When I get around like a musical hero, I might as well be eight years old. I'm just like, hi, I love you. You're my, you're my favorite. Like if it's a bass player that I look yeah. up to, forget about it. Yeah. I just devolve and I just go like, 
can you sign my shirt? You know, I just turn into a total fan. Like yeah. I wouldn't even be able to help it probably. That's for my That's heroes. epic though, that you still have those moments, right? Because it brings you back to that kid. Absolutely. Right? Cause you're not just desensitized to the whole, like I live in Nashville. I'm around superstars all the time. <laughs> exactly. It's no big deal. You know, I play, I'm going on like, the world tour, whatever. Yeah. It's like, now that magic is still there and it's, it's definitely there from the people that inspired me. Yeah. So my heroes, the, the bass players that I look up to. Who are sure. they? Uh, Victor Wooten is, okay. is a huge inspiration. Um, you know, someone that I, I, you know, I always make the joke and I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. I'm trying to kind of be like honest, like, yeah, I'm not fit to carry his bass case. He's like top of the mountain. You know, he's, yeah. he's an incredible musician, uh, uh, but someone that in, does inspire me to get better. Mm. You know, it's like my Tiger Woods and I'm, yeah. you know, wherever over here anyway. So uh, he's one of mine. And then guys that I've really uh, been inspired by and tried to, as much as I can model a career after has kind of been like Willie, um, uh, Nathan East, uh, Sean Hurley. There's like, you know, 20 sure. of these guys that I just really look up to. Uh, Lee Sklar, you know, some of these bass people that people are going, I don't know who that is. Right. <laughs> but yeah. If you name the bands they played for, everyone's like, oh, okay, oh 100%. Yeah. Sense. Like yeah, Phil yeah. Call. I mean, those between those three or four guys that I just listed, I mean, everybody they played for is yeah. someone that every uh, every listener would probably know. Yeah. 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 yeah the, guy, the, the guys and gals behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. So, uh, to that point, do you ever collect like stuff? Do you, I mean, cause you're on the road, it's probably hard to just like, Oh, I'd love to collect this, but I got, you just ship it home. Do you ever, do you have, cause you have the opportunity you're in those scenes. Do you ever like think, Oh, this is something I want to take or, uh, or get something from every place you go. Uh, I'm the opposite. Really? I'm a, I'm kind of a minimalist. Okay. Yeah. So I like to do the, the opposite every now and then I will. And if it's conducive or easy, yeah. But it's funny. I find myself being motivated with some areas of my life and then other ways I'm just very late. And that's one thing I'm like, if there's, if it's like, well, there's this thing, but I'd have to, I'm like, oh, I better not. <laughs> so anyways, I, I do in like, you know, like passes, they give you passes for events and then it ends up being thrown into my bag. So then when I get home, so I do have some of that stuff just because of the ease of just throwing it in a bag and maybe one day I'll do something with it. But, uh, those concert posters they do for Luke, mm -hmm. they're always so cool. And they have, I don't know if they have a local artist do it or what, but every one I'm like, that's incredible. And every now and then there'll be extras. And so I will take, I've taken a few of those home and, and it's just so cool. And you look at it and you go, I framed one. And I mean, it just, it, it literally reminds you of that moment in time and, you know, it's just kind of there forever. So, um, I'm trying to think other than those passes, I can't think of anything that yeah. I, that I keep just the memories, you know, a lot of people have said, Oh, you should keep a journal and, and they're right. They're so right. I'm just lazy and I'm not, well, you have a million other things to do. I have a million other things to do. And yeah. So I don't know, maybe one day I'll look back and be like, I wish I journaled. I probably will. Yeah. Is there a difference? I and mean, this is me not knowing anything about music. And I'm kind of that kid. It was like, oh, yeah, it'd be cool to play that or the drums or guitar. And I never did. Yeah. Is there a difference between bass? Can, this is going to be sound like the dumbest question. Do it. I love it. Is there a difference between general playing country bass to general like other music? Like, yeah, is it, is, it like, is it so different that it's like or is it kind of really pretty generalized? That's a wonderful question. And You're just being nice saying that, I appreciate it. No, no, no. <laughs> well, from, from everyone listening who's not a musician, I'm just asking the dumb questions. Well, no, no, no. And, and you know, I, no, I, I see what you're saying. I really do think that is a good question because it's giving me pause. And I'm kind of trying to think of how I would say this. Um, I wish I had more time to answer it because there is, okay. uh, um, in a way, and I'm going to stumble my way through it, but yes, I, I believe so. And it, it kind of depends on, I don't want to call it 
what subgenre of country you're playing, but like what style, like if it's an older kind of style of country. I will say this, I've played uh, a lot of different genres. You know, as an instrumentalist, I can go play in a Latin band. I can go play in a rock band. I can go, I can really bounce around. And that's what I did in Tulsa a lot. There's a lot of, there's a great music scene there in Oklahoma City. I would come over here to play and great musicians and I would play in a wedding band. So I'm playing funk and I'm playing Nora Jones and Frank Sinatra. And then later in the night, we're playing Bruno Mars and I'm playing slap bass. It's like I would play a lot of these different styles of bass. And I love that. I love that. I really like playing a versatile, a vast array of styles. So country bass, yes, it's typically, uh, you know, I'm not a musicologist here, but it's like a songwriting vocal based kind of thing it's not like hey watch this slap bass solo it's like hey it's what's this country singer saying and what's the timbre of their voice and what are they trying to communicate it's a storytelling genre and so i'm there to support that you know i'm not there to be like hey look at me right now yeah. it's like hey look at this look at this story or this song or this vocalist so it's a little bit more of a minimalist role in a way sometimes and so if you don't respect that or you don't know how to do that you can really overshoot it and not play the genre and give it the respect it needs you know or if the line is very very simple i mean it's like it's like a ham sandwich it's simple it's good you love it but you got to have the ham you got to have the two pieces of bread it's like okay it's not yeah. you know you know beef tartare or whatever but if if that's what you want you know it's got to be that's right good. and i love ham sandwich you know what i'm saying it so it's yeah. anyways yeah so the, so you have to learn what that genre needs from you and give it that respect. And I'll say, you know, that's something that comes with time and maturity, you know, unless, unless, you know, you had someone that influenced you or told you how to play that. And for me, what was always the indicator of whatever band I played with was go learn the part and see what all those other great studio and session musicians did and do that and you'll hit a home run. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, so when I would go play with a band that had a, a country bass line, I would put in those extra hours to learn what that person did. Mm -hmm. And then by that, you're kind of, it's floating around and incubating in your mind. And then when you get there to go, hey, write your own in the studio or come up with a part or learn these other parts, you've already done a lot of that work. So you know the vibe of that, yeah, you know? Yeah. So if I'm going to play a, a, a I haven't done it a bunch, but like a fusion gig, like a jazz rock fusion gig. I can go a little bit more wild or maybe it's a little more extemporaneous where they're like, hey, do whatever you want or go crazy here. Um, and then country, it's like, hey, this person's trying to communicate an idea and a story verbally with lyrics instead of like, you know, musically. Yeah, yeah. It's like maybe just give them a nice foundation to sit on top of. So, yes, that was a long I mean, answer to no, your question. I appreciate it. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of a little bit more of a supportive minimalist role. And if you don't know how to do it, you can, I'm sure, I've been in that, I've been that person and yeah. it doesn't feel very good to not know what you're doing <laughs> right well yeah because when you think of like you know a bass player and like the greatest kind of bass songs over the years i think most people would probably think of i know, want you back is that the big one boo, yeah. boo, boo, boo. and then boo, uh, yeah. ones i could think of with like seven nation army was like a massive oh like, yeah all right everyone thinks of that in the football uh the chain is now famous because of formula everyone's, everyone's now new love for formula one mm. uh the chain by um oh, what's it called Anyway, Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Yeah. And then Queen too. Yeah, under pressure. Yeah, but also another one bites the dust. Oh yeah. So like people like thinking, oh, this is cool, but then iconic bass riffs, right? They're big bass riffs, but also like in a crowd, there's nothing better than just listening to those simple chords, right? When you're in a crowd of thousands of people and it's just that noise. Yes. Okay, this is gonna pump me up. 
Do you know that song Feel Good Inc. by the Gorillas? Yes. Yeah, that's one of the most, when I teach, yeah. that's like the most requested okay. baseline uh, from students. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. So many great bands. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I, those different, the rock and the pop and yeah. the, they're different. And some of those, the bass is a little more prominent and featured, you know, in funk music. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a thing. I really like playing Latin music because it's almost, it's not opposite, but it's just so wildly different than the country bass approach. Okay. It's just fun. It gives you variety. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. a very funny thing. You know, you'll be playing on a, a syncopated beat instead of maybe like a more traditional kind of downbeat. And both are fun and have their own, you know, merit for sure. But uh, if you don't know how to do one or the other, you can really miss the mark and have those people that know that genre really well look at you like, that ain't <laughs> yeah, it, kid. I played with a, a, a reggae singer near, named uh, Aaron Nigel Smith, yeah. and he does reggae music. And, and, and my buddy Ben, a very versatile, wonderful Tulsa-based drummer who now lives in Nashville, got me on that gig. And we played all the libraries in Oklahoma City. Oh, it's wow. awesome. It, he's like, he writes children's music, but it's with a reggae flair. And he's incredible. And I learned his music. And leading up to his gig, I went in and just, I had, I appreciated and listened to reggae, but I wasn't like steeped and like, I, I wasn't like hot, super confident in that genre as a player. So I went in and started practicing some Bob Marley, you know, Exodus and a lot of different things from him to kind of get ready for that gig. So then when I started to learn his music, so to that, you know, on that subject, I went in to play these gigs and the first couple of, we had a rehearsal and then the first couple of gigs and it sounded okay. It sounded solid. I was, it was, he was happy. The singer was happy. You know, you always want to make the person writing the check happy. So he was writing the checks and I was making him happy. But then the third gig, I was like, okay, this feels really good. And he looked over like on one song, he was like, and I knew what he meant. He meant like, dude, now it's, he's like, it was 75, 80%. Now it's 95, you know, whatever. So anyways, just with all these different genres, it's like varying levels of, um, uh, 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 you know, it's like a, a painter. They can look at something and go like, okay, that's beautiful and wonderful. And then they look at something that's even more beautiful and wonderful or more skillfully, whatever, fill in the blank. This is a, a terrible way I'm butchering this. But it's like you can see those differences in the gradient. It's like, oh, that's that's over here. That's really happening. And so, you know, that happens with your playing and over time. And, and you know, it's funny. You'll do one genre for a long time and then you won't. And you'll have to go back in and brush the dust off because you haven't done it in so long. So anyways, that's the great part though, about being an instrumentalist, right? Is that you get to do, you're so much more well-rounded rather than just like, yeah, I'm just playing. That's all I do is this one thing. I mean, there are some great people out there who just nailed that one thing, Yes. but also the way you do it, I think it, every day could be different. Yes. So much more fun. Yes, right? it is. There were, there was, there've been a few years where it's like, I'll play with 30, 40 different bands and sometimes wildly different genres. You know, there, there are genres that I've not played, but there's a lot that I have. And that makes it fun. It keeps it exciting. It keeps you pushing towards that next thing. And man, there are still plenty of genres that I just just would consider for me like I suck at. And I'm like, man, that would be fun to really get good at that one day. So yeah, yeah. Luke has downtime. And in that downtime, I'm working on my own transcription or I'm learning some new skill and I take lessons sometimes, you know, with Zoom and Skype and FaceTime, you can really reach out to, so there's all the, yeah, there's all these world-class bass players that I've, you know, been, you know, lucky enough to, to pay them for some lessons. And that's been fun and challenged me in new ways and stuff. 
Well, it's also a great lesson to others listening that you are at the top of your game or getting close to the top of your game about to go on a world tour and you're still taking lessons. <laughs> right? Uh, fair. Like that's to people listening are like, no, you know, when they like, oh, I've arrived. No, you can, oh, always, can always be learning. You can always do something, always perfect what you have. 100%. And you know, this is something that I found out a long time ago. It's like I learned this a long time ago and so it's already ingrained in me. But then the more musicians I talk to, they affirm that, that hey, that's right. Okay. Is that you got to stay versatile you got to always be working on something because when i go into these situations i am not the boss i am not it's not my intellectual property i am not i'm the guy that they're hiring to hey you're the independent contractor we want a wall here i don't own the house so that's kind of the vibe so anything you can do to put yourself in a good place overall is really smart, you know, doing clinics or teaching lessons or writing your own music. So that's that's something that's in my head. It's like, hey, man, always be doing, especially now when I'm 36. Hopefully one day, maybe one day when I'm, you know, sure. I'll always play music. But if I don't, you know, if I'm 60 years old and I don't want to, you know, yeah. whatever, uh, get in a van and, you know, whatever, then that then hopefully I will have done enough things to help myself yeah, that I yeah. can kind of. Uh, go to St. Thomas and just live there. <laughs> I don't know. And teach people over Zoom from the There beach. you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, with the backdrop of the palm trees. Yeah, thank you, technology. Oh. <laughs> I had a guy, uh, had a professor in, in school who did that. He moved. He was like in the Air Force or whatever. And, you know, was like landed planes on aircraft carriers and in like back in the war. He was old. And this was probably... I don't know, eight years ago. Mm. And he would do a business economics class from his front porch in Belize. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't tell you how much I hate you right now. And it's like the first week of January, it's miserable outside. <laughs> All the grass is dead in Oklahoma. I can't go play golf. And you're Skyping you got a tan and he's like, Belize, hey, how's telling me about economics. The drink in his hand. No. It's like, I hate you. <laughs> so much. It's like, hey guys, look what I'm So I think after a vote, we turned his camera around so we could see like his office rather than the view he was looking at. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but um, I think finishing up, uh, I got some quick fire questions, but okay. I did get a text from one of my friends um, yeah. from, he's a big country music fan, uh, Ryan Thibodeau from the boys of 266M. Who is the most talented country artist or singer that you've, I mean, ever been around or met? He already has an answer for it. And I'll give you his answer. And he says, it's Keith Urban. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, our group text is blowing up because everyone else thinks it's not Keith Urban but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that um, you can obviously say it's Luke because you're employed by him but you can say it's somebody else if you want but he's a, one of my friends is probably the most in love with country music right now so I'm interested uh, to get your insight on that so I have the great fortune of playing for someone that I get to not only see their talent but how they treat people everyone venue staff band employees and so not only for me, you know, do I get to see someone as a great performer and vocalist and, 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 you know, mind because they write their own songs, etc. I get to see who they are as a person. And so I can't not, I mean, Luke is so, he's such a talented vocalist, you know, his timbre's great, you know, the barrel, soulful voice. It's, it's incredible. And then also he writes his own tunes. He co-writes and writes his own tunes. So it's his mind and his heart, but then also who the dude is as a person. I mean, you know, this sounds like a commercial or something, but it's, it's true. It really is. So yeah, of course I got to go with my dude, man. He's yeah. Luke, Luke's the best. Yeah. There you go, Ryan, just for you. Uh, (laughs) 
What is your uh, go-to food on the road? Do you have like any, what's your rider? Do you have any like special requests in the rider? As a, as a bass player, do you even get one? Like what is the scene <laughs> of that stuff? We, we travel with a catering company and they hook it up. They really do. And let's see. Oh, when we were in uh, Scotland and when we were in London and Toronto, there's some of these cities that really stand out. It's like catering's on point. And so we had some wonderful lamb when we were in Scotland and Ireland. And I won't forget that because that was just great. Obviously, potatoes as well. They were great there. They really were, you know, every, <laughs> Guinness. every form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, go to food. Uh, man, we had some great uh, Tex-Mex Mexican food yesterday. And man, I sure wish I knew the company so I could plug them because it was great. Yeah. Quesadilla. I think quesadilla, okay. you know, as simple as it's that's easy my go-to. go-to. It's easy. It's go-to. It's, it's the one. If I go somewhere and I'm like, you know, I just need something. It's, yeah, I'd say probably quesadilla. Not any... Uh just red colored M&Ms or anything like that. Oh, right? I see what you're saying. Oh, right. Uh, no. Nothing specific like that. I've Water. It's horror stories over the years, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, do, you, oh, right. do you have a guilty pleasure? Um, let me think. Probably death scrolls on Instagram of like funny animal videos or, you know, just hours. It's embarrassing. It's like ridiculous at how much I'm just like, oh, look dog oh look at this you know guy falling off of whatever you know just stupid things that are total time wasters but you know for me I'm always traveling or playing or you know I I practice I have a practice routine I do through the week so if I'm not doing that I mean I almost try to give myself a little grace of like dude it's okay yeah go on an hour and a half death scroll on Instagram or Facebook videos of like funny crazy so I'd say that um what's another one uh, God, I'm pretty boring outside of music. I really am. What's your practice routine? You just mentioned your favorite oh, sure. that. What's that? Yeah, so uh, Monday through Friday, um, this week I've slacked off a little bit, but today being Saturday, I'll make up for the time that I... Anyway, so I do one hour and 45 minutes of that is music related. I do 15 minutes of Spanish. Uh, I'm trying to learn how to speak Spanish. Oh, really? So yeah, I do 15 minutes every day, Monday through Friday. Any particular reason on the Spanish? Uh, I, I studied it a little bit in middle school in Tishomingo. Okay. I had a great teacher there um, and then uh, a lot of friends that do speak and I just think it would be a really good language to speak and also just a fun challenge for yeah, myself. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a fun language and I'd love to go visit, you know, Costa Rica and Mexico and all these places where I could put that. And, you know, it's Latin based. So I'm <laughs> while I am, I would consider, like I said, driven in ways. I'm also lazy. It's like if I learned something that was just so wildly different than that, I'd be like, oh, But Spanish, I'm like, you know what? If I work hard, there's at least some overlap and parallels and similar words. Anyway, so I just, it's it's one that makes sense to me and and seems within my grasp with all the other things that I do in life. Um, And so 45 minutes, I split it up into three different 15-minute segments. 15 minutes of chordal uh, harmonic ear training, 15 minutes of melodic melody kind of ear training, and then 15 minutes of bass-specific, I won't get too nerdy, but like arpeggios, diatonic stuff stuff with a metronome just to that's that's like bare minimum and then i play a gig or i work on a jazz thing so but that's like to me like i think of it like brushing my teeth i have to do this this is i'm a professional musician if i can't do this you know shame on me and that's how i motivate myself to do that and (laughs) there are days man sitting down for 15 focused minutes working on chordal ear training 
for me can be grueling. I mean, it really can. And so, you know, it's a challenge to try and keep that up, but that is an amount of time that pushes me just enough, but that's also within my reach, you know? So yeah. So that's my hour of, I have to do this Matt kind of stuff. And some days it's, I mean, even with, you know, AirPods and phones, it's, you know, I gotta, I gotta stay on top of it as far as discipline goes. So yeah, that's, it's, so simple as well right i think it goes back to whoever is michael jordan or kobe would always start practice with a chess pass like you've got to have those basics those foundations just so you don't forget those fundamentals because if you forget those everything you know and i think one of the coaches used to tell his team like we'll start with how you should put your socks on oh, you know uh, like let's start with that like yeah. you can put your socks on first and properly then we'll go with your shoes and then you can tie your shoelaces and we'll all start from the ground up there's something that's tied into psychology with that yeah. you know like making your bed and all that stuff it's like uh, which I don't do but <laughs> but you know yeah that's my chest pass drill you yeah. know that's that's like hey man if nothing else Matt you're doing this and what I find is you know it's the fundamentals and basics so then when I go to learn something more difficult or we take a week off from the road or a couple of weeks as long as I'm keeping that going then when I go back to play through Luke's songs before we have a show mm-hmm. I've got my facility and my muscle I mean these are you know you yeah, gotta keep your muscles I mean yeah. you, know, you can't not work on a free throw it's like you know conceptually but those muscles they atrophy and they do in your fingers too so that's my chest pass drill <laughs> yeah yeah uh, tell me about the tats finishing up tell me you got some tattoos oh, sure. on your hands and, and what's the reason you have any more coming and too funny so I'm on uh, Oklahoma podcast talking about music and bass and life and stuff and I got a bass cliff on my right hand <laughs> and then I have a, a the seal on the flag the is it Cherokee yeah, shield yeah, and yeah. The, yeah the Oklahoma flag on my uh, left middle finger so yeah that's what those are and got this one quite a while back and it's funny I'll go play a gig and they'll be like oh yeah that guy instead of like Matt or oh I remember you're a nice guy it's like oh the thing on the hand the giant thing on the hand <laughs> right right I'm sure I'll look at that at 60 and be like oh, I'm an idiot <laughs> who knows and this will just be like a blob yeah but anyways I was like oh, I'm gonna play music it'll be fun it'll be fine yeah, yeah it's a the, huge part of bass life. cliff right there bass cliff around the eyes yeah That's and the right. teardrop it's good stuff <laughs> <laughs> uh, well mate this has been an absolute pleasure and um, can't thank you enough for taking time out on a day you know where you're playing last show of the tour in Oklahoma I'm sure it means a huge amount to you uh, you know to be out there on that stage right in the middle of everybody at Paycom Center I mean I'm sure the sound is great and, yeah. and Luke's doing his thing and the whole band's out there loving life and I'm sure you guys are ready to be done as well nice time break for Christmas yeah and, it'll and be good to see family reset, reset for the new world tour next year but how do people again how do people follow you how do people find you uh, maybe if they want to take a lesson from you whenever the time comes and you you get into that stuff in the future like how can they reach out oh thanks so much uh I don't know. You think I should plug an email? Would that be email, a wrong Instagram, thing to do? Yeah. Email, so, I mean, it depends how many emails you want to get. Maybe you might get 10,000. I doubt it, but you might get one. Who knows? Uh, uh, so, yeah, my Instagram is uh, Matthew Maxwell. And uh, Matthew is spelled with just one T. So M-A-T-H-E-W-M-A-X-W-E-L-L. That's probably the best way. I do a lot of Instagram stuff. Facebook, I think it's under Matt Maxwell, M-A-T Maxwell. So I think it's like facebook.com slash Matt Maxwell. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, one of those would be great. Yeah. Sick. It's going to be fun, (laughs) Thank you so much. Wonderful podcast. Great questions. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best for tonight's show. I'm sure you've well, you know, well-earned break for Christmas, see family and back to Tish for a little bit, probably. Thank you, sir. So for everyone listening, I'll post uh, Matt's Instagram and link below and we'll catch you next episode. Cheers.
Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and finally our third sponsor for today the oklahoma 988 mental health lifeline 988 is the direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with the trained behavioral health professionals that can get all oklahomans the help that they need learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com it's 988oklahoma.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.